0: She knows to ask me about my high-performing sport. Because she <laughs> likes to show off that she's a high-performing sports person, and I'm not. <laughs> I have a black belt in Taekwondo, Kristen.
1: Welcome to Power Up, a podcast full of insights for women that lead. Hosted by Nat and Kristen from PowerSuit, we're on a mission to amplify your impact as a leader. Join us each week and we'll share with you what's shaping our future from AI to Gen Z. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any episodes.
0: Hello, hello, thank you so much for listening. We get so excited every week hearing new people who approach us to tell us they've picked up a little tip from the podcast and are actioning it and doing something different. And it's it brings us so much joy, right? Yes. Because at PowerSuit, we are committed to giving you the tools and confidence to build a career on your terms. And today's episode is no different. Yes. Did you like my of yeast Yes. yes. <laughs> I was right. like, this is such a classic. <laughs> Kristen speaks Canadian apart from her yeases.
1: That's the first thing I adopted because I had imposter syndrome in New Zealand. And I just was like, I'm going to adopt a few words. Anyway, and now that was you say it.
0: Melbourne. <laughs> Melbourne.
1: yeast Melbourne. I know. Uh, my kids make fun of me for Melbourne. But alas, this is what happens when you have teens. I was really inspired to tackle this talk coming off the back of a launch of an agency. And they had Alan Bundy Hunting, who's this Black Ferns coach, which is the New Zealand women's rugby team. And they won the World Cup last year. And it was this incredible story of how he came in as a new coach and really transformed this team into a high care, high expectation environment. And I was like, we need to talk about that because that's something we try to do with all the businesses that we're in. Who doesn't want to be in a high performance environment? But We're going to chat about that today. Absolutely. And, yeah, oh. and getting
0: that combo is the
1: critical oh. thing. We see some really good high care, some fairly
0: good high expectations, but that combo of the two is oh, the magic that's and that's magic.
1: Hard. that That's really hard. So we tackled empathy last week, which is part of the high care in the podcast. So have a listen to that episode. Today, we're going to tackle high expectations. But before we get into it, Nat, I want you to share what's something that scared you last week and how did you work through it? I
0: think last week was quite a scary week. Yeah. We're at the stage in powersuit that we maybe I don't know how many months in now we are. I keep saying three, but it might be four or five now, and we are at the point we're trying to figure out how to monetize what we're doing, how mm-hmm. to create something that's valuable enough that hopefully organizations are willing to pay for it to help women equip themselves with the things that they need to succeed. Mm-hmm. And we don't know how we're going to do that yet. Mm-hmm. And, and we've deliberately not gone there to date. We have a very well-trodden path we walk down when we build businesses... But I have found last week was quite odd in that we're close enough to seeing the future but not able to quite see it yet. And mm. that's so frustrating and scary because we haven't asked anyone to pay and we haven't quite got it. Like we've got these sort of murky ideas of what something might shape up to be, but it's not there. And I think that's, we've talked before about being comfortable, being uncomfortable. And yeah. this is one of those deeply uncomfortable times. And I just have to fall back on, I've been here before. I've been here so many times before. It feels weird and it's just one step in front of the other and trying to take a breath and actually making a point of patting ourselves on the back and not always looking one step forward, but sometimes taking the chance
1: to... Look how far we've come. Yeah, see how far yeah. we've
0: come, because these okay. times this is the grind. This okay. is, I think, what people talk about with the grind. But what about you? Was um, it the same
1: thing where you found there? There was a really specific instance. We have been accepted into this startup accelerator, which is pretty cool, because we're surrounded by a bunch of other women founders doing really meaningful businesses, yeah, which cool. I love. So we need support just like everyone listening, and even though we've done this kind of path before, this is a very new challenge for us. But we went to this two-day launch of this accelerator, which was quite cool. And the one really scary moment for me was when we had that speaker that was chatting about storytelling mm. and presenting. They gave a challenge of getting up and being over the top and almost infomercially with a pitch for your business. And that was a scary thing With for 30 me. seconds. With 30 seconds, because I hate feeling silly in front of other people. So how I got through that, my palms started to sweat. I, I did um, not my that heart rate, rate so good at it. <laughs> my heart rate rose and I started to do the panic thing which you do and there was two things that I got through one was I had to assess the situation and establish some facts so the first was that. It was a safe place. Mm-hmm. Everyone else was probably feeling the way I did, so I recognised that. The second was that there was nothing on the line. The downside yes. was tiny. And I was like, there will be no loss of money or maybe a little bit of pride or like Not ego. really, because everyone was in the right. same boat. Right. I think so I must was, have like, gone
0: through that list in my head that's too. That's right.
1: Okay, so I've assessed that this is a safe place. There's very little downside risk. Then what I did to get me through the scared thing was I knew that I had to go right away. The more I thought about it, the more I'd psych myself out. Mm -hmm. So when she was like, who wants to go first? I was like, Kristen, I gotta go, I gotta get this over with. And that wasn't about me wanting to be up there. That was about I'm panicking. And if I think about this more, I'm not gonna do it. So I got up there. I ha- I knew I had to connect with the audience to break down the barrier of speaker audience. I just have to do the thing where they're like, I've been there, so I asked everyone a question. Mm-hmm. You know, who here has experienced a crisis of confidence and everyone put their hand up?
0: I love it because I yeah. think that's a great example of don't compare your inside to someone else's outside yeah. because to everyone else in the room, you looked so confident, you put your hand up first, you went up, you <sighs> nailed it. Oh, oh, and it's oh, really oh. interesting to, really I think, for all of us to recognise that what what someone's presenting. Most of us are trying to make fake it till we make it, or put on a bold that face was it. and just try
1: and do it. And I think you kind of get over yourself. So l- let's talk about what was exciting. Well, I look back and we had to stand up and do a pitch. Ultimately, it ended on us doing a pitch into to a room full of people, including potentially future investors or mentors. Ooh. And that I thought we nailed it. So that was really exciting for Power Suit is we were able to get together and on a one page agree on the big bold vision and what it might look like and how big this opportunity is and things that we really care about as they relate to women and their leadership pathways and so oh, I thought that was exciting about PowerSuit is we were able to distill it on a page and present it which I thought we did really well.
0: That was pretty epic given the day before we didn't have anything I know. and I think it was a re- like on my scared thing there was something really cool about having to define what it- gonna look like. I had a really interesting, and side note for anyone who's listening going what are they on about this week, we're trying to change the format of the podcast a little bit just to adapt. We had some feedback last week, we asked a whole bunch of people for feedback and we're just gonna keep trying new things so keep letting us know what you like and what you don't like. So for me this was actually a huge mental barrier for me last week that I overcame and that was During the same accelerator, we had to say a pepihā, which is a Māori introduction to who you are. Mm. It's a way traditionally Māori have introduced themselves and and I have never had one. And it's been quite a source of shame for me because I largely grew up in New Zealand. I've never learnt Māori and Mm -hmm. it's one of our three official languages. And I kind of felt like I was the only person left in this country who hadn't taken that step. But because I grew up traveling around the place, I find it quite confronting as well. My pronunciation isn't great. I feel like I missed a lot of school years because I was overseas where you'd learn learn the language. But also a lot of the traditional peppyha is about your place of origin and I don't feel like I have one. Mm. So to be forced, effectively forced as part of this to stand up And introduce yourself through a pipiha was so exciting to me because Mm. it finally made me do it and um, probably bombed out. But I am just so proud that now I have the starting point of one and I am going to keep working on it and get to the point that I really comfortably can... Introduce who I am. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I really yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. So that, that was
1: interesting. That was that was the deadline. That is what is required for a high performing team. And again, we spoke about empathy last week, so that is required as part of this. But today I thought we would look at the high expectations and what he shared with this group of people. What makes up high expectations is Number one, the team came in and they knew what success looked like. They had a deep sense of purpose and commitment to the mission, and they had an ambitious performance goal. For success to them was to win gold. They were like, we're going to go to this World Cup and win gold. So that was the first thing. The second was they knew what was expected of them at every practice. So what's involved in this is there was accountability to each other and a clear understanding of their responsibilities and what they brought to the team and obligations of being part of that national team, incredibly powerful national team. And the last thing was that the team has to have trust between one another and interdependence. So you get these diverse range of expertise that complements one another's abilities and you have each other's backs. And so those three elements were what he spoke about as part of a high expectation environment. So what's been your experience with high expectations either in work or sport and high performing teams?
0: She knows to ask me about my high-performing sport because she likes to show off that she's a high-performing sports person and I'm not. Oh. <laughs> I have a black belt in taekwondo, Kristen. Can I? I'm <laughs> a high-performing sports person. That's bloody amazing.
1: <laughs> anyway.
0: <laughs> okay, then we work. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think high expectations, I feel like this side the expectations comes relatively easy to me these three steps or three parts of it I've had to learn quite quickly through is it trial by fire at various times as a
1: leader yeah yeah as a leader and you have
0: to create that environment you do and and I think that's what we sort of talked about right at the start is it is so it is much easier to have a very high care organization or a very high expectation organization but neither of those things alone leads to high performance so Finding that magic of, and I think it is worth, if you listen to this, going back and listening to the empathy side too, of how do you do these things with empathy and building, and I suppose that interdependence and trust element comes from that what what is my experience of knowing what success looks like well I think the first tool that I have actually encouraged since leaving Hatch which we put in place very very early and I talk to a lot of organizations about now is defining what success looks like and a lot of organizations tend to have either and I was actually having this conversation over the weekend what is a KPI or what is a success measure for each department I fundamentally disagree with that Mm. I think you have and I think that's to the point of the interdependent team, you have an organizational goal and different teams contribute to that organizational goal. You don't need to have one for your team. You should be able to point to how your team contributes to that organizational goal. So if you're in charge of the company, set that up. If you're not, take what you have and really try and connect those dots to what success looks like and i remember really early on at hatch i thought it came naturally to everyone to be able to connect those dots Mm. and i remember someone in our operational team so they were responsible for moving people's money from the bank account into the investment account to help them help them start investing and i i'd just given one of my lectures on what success looks like for the team and mm. how we were measuring it and someone very bravely put up their hand although it probably wasn't brave because we'd created a safe environment for everyone to ask questions and said I just don't see how my day-to-day job contributes to this and to, and I, it was such a light bulb moment for me that we absolutely as leaders have to take the time to connect those dots and to love say it. well the faster you move the money the better the customer experience the more they're going to tell their friends about it and the more they're going to invest because they've Cause built for us trust it was growth, wasn't and it? really pointing yeah, to the that little specific things everyone can do and I notice that now the number of organizations who have what success look like or their organizational goals somewhere in a drawer, or the leaders know it and we just have to say them time and time again and connect those dots. Yes
1: and I think storytelling was a really big part of our roles at yes. that company and I think take the opportunity as a leader to tell the story at every meeting and so we opened it with Why we're here? Where are we shooting? And I know North Star is this overused term now. Now, People (laughs) hate it. Fine, fine. But we did have a manifesto. It was the first thing we did. And our manifesto, while that sounds, you know, very communist, was actually a living document of why we exist and how we behave at work and what we value and what we care about and what success looks like. So we were able to document you know, again, our purpose and our values and how we work. And that was given to every single person we interviewed. And then we spent an hour with those people after they were hired to talk them through that document that summarizes up Uh, that cliched term of North Star. Star. But then we told stories at every single meeting um, to remind people of where we're going and why this meeting and decisions we take today tie to that and what the storytelling enables is that deep sense of purpose and commitment, that reminder of this is why we're doing this, this is why we get up and it really inspires people. Mm -hmm. And I think we want to go to work in an inspiring environment and have meaning and self-identity with what we do and how we add value and without that it's meaningless
0: and especially if you as all of us do at some points have to do boring work but if you can connect the dots of that kind of manual labor or whatever it is that you have to do to something bigger you can do that work with purpose. Yeah. The the other tactic that I have on this now, because we tried so many things. We tried for a while starting every workshop with someone repeating our mission yes. statement in a yeah. different way. Yeah. Because what we found very quickly is we were telling a lot of stories and people weren't necessarily taking that. On as they yeah is it adopting it adopting or something. it as something in that their, they could
1: that's right. And Tell so, at a barbecue. We wanted them to talk about what they were doing yes, at a barbecue. How could you give
0: the elevator pitch that's of what it. we're trying to deliver to the world in their words? And it was amazing the first time we had a session where we got everyone in um, and said, go around in a circle and just say what we're doing in your own words. And it was amazing to me how few people actually could do it. Part of it was being put on the spot, I suppose, but what that did is give everyone this really strong sense of responsibility, again safe space, it was fine yeah. if no one knew yeah. but people started actively thinking about it and going why am I here and yeah. I think in a lot of organisations and this is the advice I give to emerging leaders now is if you can't articulate in your own words the North Star or the vision for your company, the mission you're on right now and the key set uh, measures of success then you should go back to that document and find them because that is your job to proactively know that, you should be waiting for the CEO to keep telling you. No.
1: That should be your well, that, thing you can take on yourself. Absolutely. That's also the strategic thing, isn't it? Because we can you can end up doing work for work sake and not moving the needle for an organization. Yes. And that is genuinely if you understand where you're driving to and how you can contribute then you spend your energy on strategic work, which is the work that moves the needle, Absolutely. which is the work that's visible, the work that gets recognized. Please shout to the top of at the top of your lungs it's amazing work and how you're contributing. Well, and also I think
0: we live <clears throat> in a world of mad prioritization because mm. there's always a million things to do. And when you know what success looks like for the organization or for your team or for yourself, you're gonna pick the right work. If you don't know, you are going to end up running in any different direction and doing a whole bunch of stuff that isn't worthwhile. Yeah. So, And what we found at Hatch was when people really embodied what success looked like for the organization, they would be the first to push back and say, well, how does this help us yeah. if they couldn't
1: understand yeah, again, it? Again, they adopt it and yes. own it and own it. And, There's and then a you sense end up with people
0: prioritizing on their own or really questioning in the right way some of the strategic decisions we were making to make sure that we would make them clearer or that we would yes. challenge them. And I think that, yeah, so to me that's uh, incredibly, incredibly easy. Most organizations have this stuff. Yeah, I think- it
1: is getting together with a leadership group. It's defining, again, all that how success, what success looks like, how it's measured, and how are you going to storytell and get people to really have a deep sense of commitment to, to that purpose. And, and believing in it. Yeah. Because I think yeah, yeah. the
0: other, where organizations often go wrong is they put it in a drawer and then they don't behave in any way like mm, what they've got mm, written there. So mm. that's, again, a job as a leader is to make sure that what success looks like is what your behavior looks like. And too. one
1: thing is to give people the freedom of an exit hatch or parachute ripcord because not you're not gonna every time you join a team or an organization it might not be the perfect fit for you and i think it's okay to say i am not behind this mission i'm not i don't have a deep connection i recognize they Have high expectations. I might not fit, and I think that's okay. And I think back to sporting time. I have to use a sporting analogy. Is I was a synchronized. She's a
0: high performance sports person.
1: (laughs) Well, I wasn't because this is a story (laughs) of a dropout. But I was a synchronized swimmer because that's cool again in Canada. But I remember when I was 12 years old and I went to this camp and we had a bunch of goal setting. And I looked at the girl next to me and I was on the edge of making this A team, which was like the top team and it was uh, it was incredible team that was going places high expectations high performance team and I was on the edge of making it and I looked over at this girl who'd set a goal and she said I, 12 years old I am going to go to the 2002 Sydney Olympics and win a medal and that's I, my goal for Kristen's daughter at the moment. <laughs> for diving yeah and I just I looked at that and I thought There was this sense of clarity. First of all, I was shocked that someone could have such a big goal at 12, which was really eye-opening to me. How incredible. That was a great learning experience. But the second was that I didn't share that goal. And I thought, Uh wow, so this A team has that goal. And they are going that direction. And you I don't like, fit.
0: I just want to glitter. I knew.
1: No, no. I just knew I wasn't. I actually knew I wasn't good enough. I knew I wasn't good enough to go to the Olympics. And so at 12, I quit that sport. Kristen has a very strong theory that you know if you're going to the Olympics
0: <laughs> by the time you're five.
1: But no, I had time to adopt another sport and get to a national level, which, you know, which I was did. very important. That was Kristen's goal. Yeah, it was. It was. Those were goals in in my time of life. And I was like, well, I might as well give another one a crack. And I, I stepped off that high performance. Forming train because I knew I wasn't good enough. Your goal I was not aligned. Well, and I would have ruined their time, I would have been the leak, weak link. And guess what? Can I just share the closing of that story? Is that I went on to like very mediocre <laughs> in and sporting. But they went on and they won a bronze medal at the 2002 Sydney Amazing. Olympics. Love that. And I love that I wasn't a part of that and I recognized that and did something about I it. I love that because yeah.
0: I think we sometimes <laughs> stick to things way too long. And I yeah. think with that goal setting, it goes back to something we talked about a while ago and wrote about, about what if it all goes right? Yes, And I think I used to not really be a goal setter personally, but I've always had sort of vague goals. Mm. And I think that idea of, what if it all goes right? What if I did get to the Olympics? Yeah. Could I, can I stick and imagine that? And that's probably the case, Well, it is the case with work as well. What if at Hatch, it was what if we do change the wealth landscape yeah. of New Zealand? And we believed so strongly in it. Yeah. And and made and made good progress on yeah. it.
1: And so, you talked a little bit about knowing how your work contributes to the bigger vision. So I think that fits into knowing... You what's know, expected? Every, yeah, what's expected of you when you come in and the work and the standards that's expected. We did a great newsletter article this week on that, so people should go yeah, to our a website, read of that, have a read that, because I think
0: there's a couple of elements to that. There's yeah. the what's expected in terms of how it connects the dots. There's the what's expected in terms of quality yeah. and standard. Yes. And then there's the what's expected in terms of behavior. And I think that you should hiring for behavior and attitude is far more important than hiring for technical skills. Because a lot of those technical skills, can, you can teach them relatively easy. Yep. But that's what's expected in terms of behavior. And that sort of comes to that interdependence and trust is it's expected you will be trust trustworthy and trusting. It's expected you will collaborate. It's expected that you will leave as much of your ego at the door as you can and be really open to, curious curious, mm. and open to feedback and see it as a gift, all these expectations that have to be extremely clear Yeah, because then again, people know um, I used to call it, the was it the red culture car? The culture car! Yeah, you're, This is the culture car, you're either in or you're
1: out. And we wanted a culture of exceptional, that was a word we used from mm-hmm. the beginning of starting that business and I expect it's what we'll do again at Power suit and in that culture car that we're in we want to be exceptional we want to put exceptional things out and really change people's lives and that means the quality of our work what's out in the wild it's not always going to be perfect but we we do think that quality is important and we think it's extremely important and that word
0: exceptional is a challenge to people because you could do good work elsewhere and that would be fine. Yeah, I no. For us, exceptional is the only standard we want. But I,
1: I do think a lot of companies now recognize exceptional work and are doing really interesting things. I mean, even at a bank, like good grief, their campaigns are incredible. Oh, they're doing their amazing. their ads are incredible. And so I think exception is a really fun and rewarding place to be if you can get in a workplace like that. And that
0: often means doing less better. And that means, I I mean, absolutely have a read of this week's newsletter about doing, how to stop doing everyone else's work. And a lot of this ties in with Well, and
1: that is that trust and delegation. And maybe we'll, we'll wrap up with that, is that sense of as a leader, we have to trust our people that we've hired well, we've equipped them with the skills they need to do their jobs well, or support them. I should say. And we've been really clear on the expectation, the standard, um, whatever the project is or the outputs required for that, you know, time. And uh, we trust them to, I suppose, deliver. And we have to delegate, like not jump in.
0: I think trust to me, trust has always been, I, it's not that I struggle with trust, but I see trust as a two way street. Mm. And I think as a leader, especially if you're an empathetic leader, there is that element of you are also a human and you need to also build trust the other way. And mm-hmm. I think that expectation is something that I like to set very early of we are in this together. We have a we want to have a highly productive working environment. So how do we build trust in each other? How do I build trust with my team that They know that when I give them feedback, it's meant with the right intention and it's meant to make their work exceptional. And how do they build trust with me that when they're going away, they're doing that work to that level and they're not sort of cutting corners or not that anyone's ever done that. But you have to build that trust through Mm. back and forth and through setting each other up for success and recognize, I think a lot of people sort of come at trust as you just give it by default. I don't believe in that. I believe trust is built slowly and, and it probably mimics the path of onboarding people that you start out a lot more working together because you're trying to get on the same page about what the success looks like and what expectations there are and you have to be a lot more hands-on but as you build that trust you start to ping back and forth a lot easier and know what to expect and what what you can push and how to get the right stuff out yep. of each other yeah and I think I my expectation with new working relationships is that's going to take time and I'm comfortable with that whereas I know other people were sort of trust on day one and that can work out really well too. It's not been my approach. I don't yeah. know what what's what's yours. Yeah, I've
1: definitely been more hands off. I think as a leader, and uh, probably hired for whatever be the right skills. And my assumption is that everyone knows what is required of them. And I pro- possibly in the past haven't given feedback timely enough feedback because you know you're often run off your feet. And so that's something that. Uh, could certainly be improved, but I love the idea of completely empowering other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just probably more check-ins required to making sure people are on the right stuff. Yeah, the yeah, guardrail stuff. I think we've stuff, probably I think. both come more towards the middle. Guardrails. <laughs> yeah, have that's right. That's right. So I think that's that's really important. But I am a fan of delegation because I don't want to I know, work
0: 24 7
1: yeah i don't want to work 24 7. where you value the things that you can add yeah and it is really hard not to step in and do the work and anyone who has kids who watch has watched them struggle with tying their shoelaces or doing up a zipper on their coat you just want to like step in there and be like we've got to go we're in a rush <laughs> and it's similar to work it's like if i just do this thing quickly it's going to be done right and it's going to be done well but you just have to avoid at all costs or they're never get, I agree. going to and get I feel where like, you can get to. Yeah. There's yeah. two
0: things there. And the first one is that I've been talking to a lot of people about this recently as well is you, if it takes you half the time to do it as it takes someone else, let them take twice as long. Yeah. You're still saving that time, and that's really important. Yes. And then the second thing on that is a, f- a friend of mine told me with tying your shoelaces, which she said is a great analogy for work. Yeah. You start by tying the shoelaces for someone, then you end up doing it with them, then you watch them do it and critique them, and then they're off doing it themselves. And she was like, if you actually follow that path with a lot of onboarding teammates people and people at learn. work, you actually, that is a path to learning, and you just need to know when you back off from the doing. Yes. And, and when you're hiring them. talented people, you probably can skip the step of doing it for them.
1: Yeah, great. Well, we touched on a few things, storytelling, expectation setting, buying into the the vision, delegation, trust. So I hope everyone got a little bit out of that. And please do let us know. So do I. Yes, (laughs) let us know if you like the new format, a little bit shorter. And I thought we would just end on Nat, how are you tracking towards your goal, whatever that might be? share what it is and how it's going
0: for someone who doesn't have a lot of goals i have a lot of goals (laughs) one of the things (laughs) my family decided oh maybe about a year ago to buy a plot of land together and build a yurt and rent out this yurt as a luxury stay and so my goal at the moment is to get this yurt built that's a start i've never built a yurt before council consent all that sort of stuff ticked that one off so the next goal is to set up how to set up airbnb and rent a batch and all of these tools and learn how to market and rent out a batch amazing well a yurt <laughs> great so well i look like i mean i look for like, I mean, a I look for yeah i kind of just do it in my spare time but it's actually <laughs> taking up a lot of brain space so i, I need to start like making little steps on that on what about it. you what's the goal you're working towards
1: uh well do you remember how new year's resolutions are a waste of time and we did a bit of research I think it's 21 days yeah they I, last, mine, mine didn't 21? last even that long yeah I think it is 21, 21 days. days and they're gone or maybe well, 18 okay so my new year's resolution if you recall is a six-pack Think this my stomach not here has, <laughs> has it been downgraded hang on hang on <laughs> So first of all, it's unrealistic, because even when I train twenty four hours a week, I never ever, Which ever, ever a synchronized had a six pack athlete. Whatever, amongst other sports, and never had a six pack. So I know that's not a thing, but it's symbolic. It means that I feel healthy because the last four years have been really intense and I didn't prioritize my I agree. That pay. is I okay. agree with that. That is a resolution, and instead of starting it in January and failing it on Jan twenty one. I started it on fail? April. <laughs> I started it in April, like, oh, 3rd. That. So you I was like, a loophole. <laughs> I, I found the loophole in the New Year's resolutions and I started it in April right. and I still have time to my six pack. So it's going well. I have, you know, cut down on bad food and booze, and I. Well, we can't am... afford it anyway because of inflation. <laughs> <laughs> inflation. it's we so can't... true. Did you know potatoes have
0: increased in price by? Oh, and we got a, We just got an air fryer,
1: so I mean, we are potatoing it up at the moment. Oh well, that's what a kilo now well anyway i i so i've been enjoying i'll let you know how i'm tracking towards my maybe maybe six pack but it's been going well. i think
0: that's a good one yeah. i think um my version of that is just putting time in my calendar to do exercise yes. because i don't because i'm a workaholic and that's terrible do as we say not as we do <laughs> no, we're,
1: we're, Amazing. we're improving ourselves uh yeah we're be- best version of ourselves so thank you so much for listening please visit powersuit.com if you liked this episode give us five stars because then other people get Even to hear even if you didn't. Give Even us if five you didn't. we brand can. new. We'll learn and iterate. Be generous. And check us out. Check all of our free articles out at powersuit.com. You can find us on Insta and LinkedIn. And we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.